You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 62. Well, hey there, welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about how portfolio planning can save millions on your bottom line, how a strategy realization office can help you make the organizational impact you need to make, achieve the highest possible return on investment, all with the power of the PMO, or as we like to say here, SRO. This episode is sponsored by Cora Systems. Cora Systems is a worldwide leader in providing enterprise PPM solutions to global organizations and government agencies, such as Honeywell, Alanco, PwC, City of London, and the UK's National Health Service. Cora is a proven foundation for the delivery of projects, digital transformation, and strategic objectives. Fully digitizing program and project life cycles, providing total transparency, empowering decision-making, and streamlining governance and reporting. Every day across more than 50 countries, over 20 billion worth of projects are managed on the Cora platform. Learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. So with that said, I'd like to welcome Philip Martin to our program today. Philip, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here, Laura. How are you getting on? <laughs> Fantastic, because we are changing the world with all this work we're doing with the PMO <laughs> Impact Summit. So I couldn't be better. Now, Impact Drivers, let me tell you a little bit about Philip before we dive in. So Philip is the CEO of Cora Systems, drawing on 30 years experience in portfolio and project management industry. He has built a global client base across Europe, the Middle East, and the U.S. He previously held positions with major U.S. multinationals, including 3Com, Telelabs, DSC, and Pulse Engineering. Philip is an electronic systems engineering graduate of Ulster University. So he's got the history of this PMO portfolio management space. And as Philip and I were talking about before we pressed record, we both have a long background in PMOs and understand the challenges that all of you impact drivers are facing and really understand the pain points that you're experiencing and that your business leaders are experiencing and the problems they need your help solving. So that's what we're gonna dive into today. So again, Philip, thank you for being here. Great to be here, Laura. I feel really old after that introduction. <laughs> 30 years, who put that in there? <laughs> I know, right? I know, it's terrible when I start saying, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I'm like, okay, so back in the 90s when I built my first PMO, it really, it's kind of like it hints, the hints come out there. Back when I was in college and people did their theses and dissertations on paper, right? Like <laughs> it sneaks out every once in a while. So, oops, well, you know, you but go, it, does, it does give us a lot of battle scars and war wounds that help sure. us to really have the lessons learned that we then can share with the world. And we can share all the things that we've learned so that those that come after us don't have to make those same mistakes. And that's truly why exactly. we do so with that said, let's talk about this whole, whole concept because there's a couple of things going on here. You're making a pretty bold statement, right? Portfolio planning can save millions on your bottom line. And I believe it 100%. And I think you have a really great solution 
to this challenge with this strategy realization office. So what I'm seeing in this space is PMO leaders are often talking about wanting to have a seat at the table, a seat at the strategy table. And they want to be a part of the conversations that are happening around what the business leaders are trying to do to run the organization. And I believe that when done properly, the PMO, or as you like to call it, the SRO, holds the keys to the kingdom, holds the keys to the castle of all the information the business leaders need to make decisions around where and how they invest in the future of the organization, invest in serving their clients, investing in truly changing the world, right? So we have an incredible opportunity here to do just that. And I think you have a really great step-by-step process that we'll get to in a little bit to walk through what that might look like. Let's just kind of set the stage for folks here. Can you tell me why you became involved in this whole space and what the challenges are that you're seeing? Yeah, sure. In my role, I would have historically been involved on the execution side. So that PMO, typically a PMO would have taken a set of projects and been told to implement those projects. Yeah. About four years ago, um, I was working with one of our clients and and we learned a lot from from those guys. But they were sitting down, we asked them, okay, it was about six, seven months into the year. We asked them, okay, if you knew back six, seven months ago what you know right now, would you have taken on the same number of projects that you've taken on and would you have taken on the same projects? Mm. And they, were, they had about 115 projects in their portfolio. It was a pharma, it was a mid-sized pharma. And they said there were seven to eight projects that they would not have taken on. And their budget, I think, was, I don't know, something like 250 million. And these seven or eight projects would have been probably about 25, 30 million in cost. So there was about 30 million that they would not have taken on into their portfolio if they had known in January what they had knew in July. And that got us thinking. And we said, okay, we spent all this time focused on resource management milestones, scan charts, risks, issues to deliver projects. But actually, quite often we don't ask, are we asking the right question in the first place is, should we be delivering this project? So figure out the right projects and then deliver them right. right. So with that, that kind of thing, we got doing a little bit more work. We, got, uh, we had a couple of forays into the whole area of, of portfolio planning. And we got talking to other organizations. We suddenly realized that a lot of global organizations have many plants worldwide. And those plants are all fighting for budget from, from maybe a central core financial team. Right. And how does that central core financial team decide what money to give to each of those plants globally? And it becomes really, really difficult. It becomes like who you know, how well did you deliver last year? More so than, okay, what's our strategy for the organization globally? Right. And how do we actually deliver projects that help us to deliver that strategy? And we discovered that it's, a lot of people think this is a science. It's common sense. It is 100% common sense. But as my mother always told me, uh, common sense is not that common. So yeah. we have got a structure to put around this SRO. Um, right. And strategy realization office itself is a rel- relatively infantile term but what it means what is in in my view it enables your business to make sure that the business is doing the right projects to deliver the right revenue or the right outcomes that you need in the year ahead five years ahead or whatever it is that that you however often you manage that portfolio Mm -hmm. so as you say i'll put together a set of steps around this but for me it's right from figuring out okay what that strategy is and that strategy has a number of different parts to it right through to 
passing that over to be executed, but execute the proper projects, the ones that will, will deliver the value and deliver your strategy for you. Yeah, exactly. And so let's address right now some of the naysayers. I call it the yeah, but monster, where up on your shoulder crawls the yeah, but monster saying, yeah, but that's not going to work in my organization. Or they say, yeah, but this just sounds like you've changed the name of the PMO and it's still the same thing. But I think that that's not actually true. I think that there is, this is a transformation that has a very different focus and a very different objective. So can you talk a little bit about what the strategy realization office is and does and how that's different from our traditional PMO thinking? It's a great use of the 80-20 rule to explain this. And I can use the 80-20 rule to explain most things, but it gets, okay. if, if it gets you thinking, it's, it's what it should do. So if you thought that the PMO, in terms of amount of work, it delivers about 80% of the work to get your projects executed, your programs, your portfolios, your projects all executed and done. But it's missing this 20% before that that actually decides what should be done. Now, if you look at that, that's looked at it in terms of volume of work, but actually if you look at it in terms of value of work, 80% of the value of the work is in that 20% that you do prior to executing the PMO. So the SRO gives a huge amount of additional value to any organization. And I go back and I stress the SRO is nothing only common sense. It's not rocket science but it does require you to be a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more focused on how you select the projects in the first place. There is a, a number of steps that you have to go through to make sure that you do that piece right. But if you get that right, the benefits are huge. So mm-hmm. think of it as 80-20 when you're thinking SRO, PMO. So 20-80, but actually 80-20 in terms of value. And I'll, I'll maybe talk, go into that a little bit more in, in later on in the conversation, but that is the, that's the way I'd like people to think about it. And that's the way... When I talk to clients or when I talk to even friends, we have lots, have lots of arguments with this. And quite often those clients are my friends. So that, that works well. Yeah. Um, you just end up having really good conversations around this. Oh, and that's so, I think you just hit the nail on the head. And my best friend, my whole life runs a company where she calls it putting common sense into common practice. And I think that's really what oh. we're trying to do here. Because yes, you're absolutely right. It is common sense. And yet we seem to not be able to apply that common sense into what, put it into practice. And that's the role I think of the PMO. And it's not so much about how many outputs you create. It's not so much about the number of templates, the number of steps in your process, the number of projects you're managing. We keep thinking that more is more and more equals value. And so we measure outputs and we say, okay, well, we've got to have more projects in our portfolio when in fact, more is actually less right? We make less of an impact because we're just trying to shove as many projects into the portfolio as possible, stretching our resources so thinly that they couldn't possibly deliver on them. And then we achieve a much lower return on investment for that portfolio where what you're talking about is, hey, why don't we make sure we're doing the projects that are going to achieve the biggest return on investment and focus on those? What's going to help the organization deliver on its strategy most effectively? That's where we spend our time and energy. And so I couldn't agree more. And I love that 80-20 rule kind of balance there because it's true. You can almost, you can almost explain anything using that. And it's a perfect example here. You've called this the PMO Impact Summit. Yeah. It's the impact that those resources have in the organization. And how can you best make a difference to the impact of that and the outcomes of that. And a lot of that is about making sure you've got the right projects in that portfolio in the first place. 
Exactly. So I'm totally sold. And frankly, as you and I have been talking about, the entire purpose of the PMO Impact Summit is to help PMO leaders understand that they need to build the executive's PMO, right? The PMO that solves the executive's problems, then their problems, the ones that keep them up at night are how do I help this organization achieve its mission, serve its customers most effectively, and help us get the highest possible return on investment or worth it factor, I like to call it, for every single bit of time and effort, right? Because you know, Philip, you've heard this before, right? You'll be talking to somebody about the projects are investments and that you're trying to achieve a return on investment. And they'll say, oh, well, we work for the government. We don't measure ROI. Or, oh, we work for a nonprofit. We don't measure ROI. And I say, fine. You know what? Don't call it ROI. Call it the worth it factor. But you need to ask the worth it factor questions before you just start doling out the money for what projects are going to get done. There's got to be that alignment with what the business problem is you're solving and which of these projects can help achieve that mission, help achieve those objectives. So I think this is critical. And I do believe this is the future of where PMOs are going and why are we doing what we're doing with the PMO Impact Summit? Every single session helps to drive that message home so that our PMO leaders understand the shifts that they need to make. Or for those that are already there, like a lot of my students, they're nodding their heads saying, yes, this is reinforcing what I've seen in the real world and how we're achieving our objectives. So I think this is fantastic. So let's talk about this SRO because you've got a really cool step-by-step process on what it takes to create and kind of shift to a strategic realization office. Can you talk us through those steps? Yeah, sure. Look, before you go into anything, almost step number one is, okay, have you you made that culture that actually allows you to do something like this? So is it okay for somebody to start spending quite a bit of time on deciding what projects go into the portfolio? Or do you actually just want to roll up the sleeves and start getting dirty, the hands dirty on the project straight away? And if it's the second one, you probably haven't got the culture right to start off with to actually to set up an SRO. So looking at, the, at your behaviors that the team exhibits, are they ones that take a step back before they jump, dive right in and think about it? Or are they ones that just dive straight in and actually want to get this done and let's get it over and done with and let's get to the next project tomorrow, that kind of thing. So making sure your culture is right, that the right behaviors are there in your team is really important. And being able to, I suppose, articulate what those look like. That leads nicely into the next step, which is essentially that strategy. Okay, you've got all these projects that you know you want to do this year, right? But are they the right projects? Do they fit with the strategy? Because right now we're in a, in a pandemic. And in some verticals, that pandemic has had a profound impact. In other verticals, it actually has had a really positive impact. So it's really interesting to see some people have delayed their strategy. Some people have expedited their strategy. Some people haven't changed it at all. Some people thinking, rarely do you have to can a strategy. Your strategy should hold pretty strong the whole way through. May have to tweak it, but not by much. So is that strategy clear? Is it written in what I would call plain language, plain English, plain German, French, whatever it is that that language that you speak? so that everybody understands it. And if it is, you're on a winner. And the litmus test for me on this is, if you can draw your strategy in a picture, right? If you, if you can make it a picture, people remember that. And now suddenly you've linked your strategy back to step one, which is your culture. So when somebody sits down and starts thinking about a project and what's the benefits of doing this project? Will we have capacity to do this? And they're starting to think about it before they dive right in and do it and, and before it goes into the portfolio. Are all the people supportive of that? Or are they thinking, 
Jesus, would you ever get on with the work because we don't have enough time and you're thinking, sitting thinking about this thing? Well, just go and do it. Right. And if that's the approach, then the strategy is not clear and the culture is not clear. And the two of those are intertwined. Culture strategy intertwined the whole way. And it's that strategy becomes self-policing because as your strategy becomes very clear to everybody in the organization, the culture will follow in right behind that. So that leads on nicely then to the next bit, which is, okay, how do you structure this? So you've got this list of projects, or you may have, uh, like one of the clients we spoke to recently, 62 sites worldwide, people they have never met before, but yeah. now they're div- divvying out money to these guys, and they, have, they may have a budget of 200 million or 500 million. They're a large example. They're the extreme example. Then you have the other ones that are maybe one or two plants or one or two locations, or maybe just one location, but the same problem arises. You've got to figure out how are you going to divide the portfolio down best to fit your organization? And then more importantly, have you got the right people in charge of those portfolios? So historically, the, the, um, the trend has been, oh, Joe's been around for the last 20 years, kind of working against me here, given the introduction you gave me about the 30 years. But Joe's been around last week, we should give him this portfolio. And that's not the reason to give Joe the portfolio. Yeah, you think the block yeah. much better than Joe on doing this, right? But, but like you're planning to succeed here, not planning to make people happy. So it's very much about, okay, can you, have you got the right portfolios? It's the structure, right? Have you got the right people in charge of those? Have you funded enough? So is there enough budget going in against that portfolio? So basically, have you set that portfolio up to succeed? You still don't know what projects are in this, by the way. You still don't know what it is, but you have a rough idea of how you're going to invest across your strategy and across your portfolios. Right. Once you've done that, I suppose the next piece is probably the most difficult piece for most organizations to do. Um, and it's because they get half the way through it and think, Ash, that'll be fine. No, right. I won't. This is the, one of these ones that has to be done 100% or not at all. And this is the reason, this one step is the reason why most portfolio planning sessions fail. And people think it's such an easy step that they don't spend enough time on it. And it's what we call project inventory. So typically, when you're trying to make decisions on projects, if you've got partial information, then that makes it impossible for you to decide on whether that project should be in the portfolio or not. So we have, with most of our projects that go into a portfolio planning session, typically it'll be a new product or a new plant or a new line or whatever. There's got to be a set of costs against that for the next three, four, five years if it's a large CapEx project. There's probably a set of revenue figures for the next five, 10 years, or maybe six, seven years, just depending on the life cycle of the products. There's lots of ROI calculations in their net present value. So there is numbers and it does require work for each project. So you just can't write in the project and write a number and hope it goes, hope it goes in there. You got to look at risk assessment. If you're in the pharmaceutical industry, you're probably going to look at compliance. There's lots of different factors. And typically we see there's probably a 50, 60, 70 different fields, if you like, associated with each project. And you should absolutely 100% refuse anybody's entry, any entry of a project into the portfolio that doesn't have all data fields completed. Mm. If, oh, well, we don't know what that's going to be. Well, then you don't know your project well enough and it's probably not ready for this year's portfolio. Right. It's amazing how people's tune change when that happens. So that project inventory is the most critical piece of the whole portfolio planning, yet it's the one that people pay the least amount of uh, effort to. Before we that, go on, I, yeah. I just, just pause for a second and kind of break down where we are. So for PMO leaders, because this is a lot. You're like 
basically giving them the step-by-step playbook for, and that's what your action taking resource is. So in the summit, as a part of the summit, we have the action taking resource for people to walk through and do this with you. Cause you're, you're like, oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind with like, this is literally the step-by-step of everything that's necessary. And I couldn't agree more. These are the steps and in the order. So I just wanna pause and go back. This order is important. If you have not established the culture, that's where we started, then you're going to have a really hard time putting this SRO in place. So we've got to really establish what the culture, that we've got the supportive, engaged culture to make this whole transition happen to an SRO. So that means we've got to have our business leaders involved. We've got to have our stakeholders involved. We've got to ourselves believe it, right? We have to have all the people involved in this process understanding why this is important, what this is going to do for the organization and how we make that transition. So that bringing people with you through the change process is incredibly important. So we start with the culture, then now you said decide on your strategy. And I think for a lot of our PMO leaders is where the yeah, but monster might come back, right? And they say, but I don't get to decide that. Yeah, but you should be a part of those conversations. And if the strategy of the organization is not clear to you, it is incumbent upon you to say, okay, I need to get answers to these questions because how could you possibly align the projects or make sure you have the right projects in the portfolio if you don't understand the strategy and if it is not crystal clear. So there's some work to do from the PMO leaders perspective to go talk to their business leaders and make sure that that strategy is clear so they can create that alignment. Then and only then are you positioned to create the portfolio and the budgets. And then like you talked about this project inventory. I think, Philip, you hit the nail on the head. So many times business leaders, once we actually have a portfolio identified, let's pretend that it is aligned to the strategy. And without that project inventory, we're not providing the information our business leaders need to make the educated, informed decisions about the information you're putting in front of them. You're giving them partial information so they're not able to properly assess and respond as we need them to, right? So you can have a list of projects, but if you don't have any information about them, then they're going to make the wrong decisions most likely, right? And then who do you think is going to get the blame for that? The portfolio leader or PMO leader that put that information in front of them. Well, you didn't give me the information, right? So we got to nip that in the bud by making sure we have the right information. And I don't think you're sitting 43 data points here, right? I mean, that's the other challenge is that PMO leaders will say, okay, well then I need like all this information. Probably not. Probably it's a smaller subset of the actual most important data points that are needed to make those decisions. And if you're not sure, ask, right? Ask your business leaders, what's the information you need factor into the decisions you're making and start there, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's, um, if you think about the, a project and you're the one holding the smoking gun after shooting your company in the foot because the project that you picked is the one that didn't deliver uh, and cost the company a lot of money, would you rather you hadn't started that project in the first place and you have the power within to actually make sure that project is not in the portfolio to start with? So, exactly. Absolutely. We're, we're halfway there. <laughs> this we're halfway is pretty there. big stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So at this stage, you've, you've got this list of projects and what do you do with it? There's some basic assessments that you need to do on it. First of all, should this portfolio, should this project be in, even in our portfolio? Is it strategic aligned? It doesn't tick any box for strategy or no, it's so left field, we can't take this on. Or it's such high risk, no, it doesn't fit. Or, and you probably start organizing it by business units and, and by objectives within the organization and maybe even by your values. So it's, it's just, you have some way of prioritizing it. And that depends from organization to organization how that is done. You'll set out some metrics about how you're going to measure this portfolio and the success of it. And 
you want to get rid of things like duplicates. So you're doing some basic cleansing, if you like, on the data that you've received. If, for example, you have a number of plants and plant A is running a project that's 10 million and it's very similar to plant B, which is also running a project that's 10 million, that's 10 million you can save by just saying plant A does it or plant B does it, but not both of them. And so it's some very, again, back to common sense, some very common sense decisions that become very easy when you see, only when you see all the data in the one place. Um, Next part of this then, right, is you got to balance the portfolio, right? So this one is where a lot of people um, have problems. And how do you do this, right? Well, you look at scenarios. So you've got different sets of projects or groups of projects that may make sense depending on certain criteria. So are you an organization? So I know certain organizations that to implement new technology, they'll always two years lagging the industry because mm. they do not want to be the one learning the lessons about the technology. They'll prefer to learn the lessons from the other and live for two years without the technology rather than actually being the ones to lead with it. Um, so they're a low risk appetite. Um, the flip side of that is the early adopters who are the high risk ones, but mm-hmm. high risk, high reward. You take on technology, you get the benefits, you're first to market, you've there the benefits. So that a risk might be a way of deciding a scenario and putting a set of scenarios together or a set of projects together in a scenario. So you might have a portfolio. So remember, you've got this bag of money at the top that's been divided out into a number of different portfolios. Mm-hmm. And each of those portfolios has a bag of money of its own. Now, what you're saying, okay, if we went to a group of projects one or a scenario of one, which has 10 projects in it, or a group two, which is 15, or group three, which has 20 projects in it, with a risk at a 10 of seven, nine, and three, what's the appetite of the business? What's the strategy of the business? Is it low risk, low return, but yeah. be safe? Or is it high risk, high reward? And there might be several, there are generally lots of other parameters like net present value if you're in pharmaceutical, is it the, the technology to be in if it's genetics big thing there at the moment and depending on your industry and what other industries you're in like engineering it's it's literally okay functional ease of use it's, it's there's lots of different things and can it deliver control so there's lots of different criteria under which you select that scenario right. but bottom line is in every way you'll have a set of benefits for that scenario and will those benefits meet your expectations if you actually deliver that portfolio and that, again, that comes back to your project inventory. Is that right? And will it actually deliver? So you got to approve. Let's say you've picked three scenarios. You've got to pick one. Which one are you going to go with? Right. And that's literally a, a discussion for a portfolio board. But the nice thing is if you've gone through steps one to six so far, step seven becomes easy because now you've got the data that displays why you made the decision you made. Right. If I asked you, um, Laura, last year, the portfolio decisions that any of your clients would have made can they actually stand over them with the data that says, this is why we picked them? I think they could, but I think if you scratch below the skin deep, I think they'd probably struggle to justify the choice. And now if they follow this approach, they've got the real hard data to justify any decision they've made. Last part of this then is you're literally, you've crossed that divide from the SRO into the PMO. Now you're tracking and managing that portfolio. You've decided the scenario you're gonna go with and it's full steam ahead. And depending on your business, you'd probably move from maybe in six months time, maybe three months time, maybe nine months time, maybe two years time. It just depends on how often you refresh. You go through it all again. It's an iterative yeah. process. So now you've got your live projects up and running, but you've also got these new pipeline projects that people are creating great new ideas that you've got to assess. You've got to go and get the 30, 40, 50 pieces of data on each of those projects. And you've got to compare that with, okay, did the projects that we picked in the first place live up to expectations? Did they start delivering the benefits? Right. Are they dogs? Are they stars? 
basically dogs, the ones that you wish to God you'd never picked and you could brush them out of the carpet again. And hopefully, if we follow this nine step process, we won't have many of those. And hopefully a lot more stars that actually have overperformed and delivered more. So now you're actually in a scenario where you're saying, okay, we've got all these really good projects in our portfolio and we've got these really good ideas come in. We should expand and grow because now we got the money from the first ones and the return or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is all about enabling the business to be successful mm-hmm. and delivering, picking the right projects to be successful, making it easy for those guys who are in the PMO that actually need to deliver those successfully that the right projects are picked so they can actually deliver them quite easily. Yeah. Challenges are less, shall we say. For sure. So I love, there was so so many value bombs you just threw in there. Like, oh, you just do this and do that. And it's just, and there's just so much I want to go back and talk about and just say, okay, impact drivers, as you're listening to this, are you really picking up what he's throwing down here in front of you? Because this is really critical. So I love how your whole step-by-step process is iterative. It is in perfect alignment with what we do in the Impact Engine PMO training program, which is a 90-day program. And then every 90 days, we have you go back to module two and start over and say, okay, now we need to assess the organization for the next set of opportunities. Now we need to figure out how we're going to serve the business in solving those pain points. Now we put that out on a roadmap and start looking at what we're going to be doing over these quarterly cycles. And it's that same process. So that's an important point, I believe so strongly in it, that that's how we run our program. But I really like how you emphasize that here because this is not a one-time thing. You have to keep evolving as the portfolio shifts, as the strategy changes, as pandemics happen, right? As big change, as more VUCA hits us, right? There's volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity all over the place, right? This is the world we live in. So as the needs of the organization shift, your PMO or SRO needs to be able to shift to meet those business needs. And so what we're talking about here is that continual evolution of the PMO, not continuous improvement. It's evolving. It's not tweaking. You must evolve to continue to meet the needs of your business leaders and the organization as a whole as things shift. And as we said, you hold the keys to the kingdom because you have all the data necessary. And it doesn't mean just because you can track it and just because you can measure it doesn't mean you should. It's got to be the information that's actually helping to drive those decisions. And when you make sure that that portfolio is aligned with the strategy, you know you're working on the right projects. And there's this like continual upward spiral that happens, right, Philip? Because you have, okay, so we're we're not going to do these 15 projects because these other 15 or 30 or whatever it is are the ones that are aligned with the strategy. Great. Now that creates more freedom, more budget for us to then keep feeding the right projects and the right strategy. So it's a positive upward spiral continually making sure that if you keep that alignment, if you get aligned from the start and then keep that alignment throughout the entire process, you will see that you've got an upward momentum of what the organization is able to accomplish. So I think that the benefits to this are just tremendous. And guess what? If you keep doing what you said there, you drive your positive culture as well. Yes, exactly. Right back to where we started. Exactly. So that's the thing is that it really does all start and continue with culture. And I know a lot of people listening might be thinking, going back to that, yeah, but, right? Well, we work in a change-resistant culture or our PMO doesn't do that kind of thing. Or we don't have a seat at the table to have these conversations with their business leaders about what we'd like to do, right? And it's kind of the chicken and the egg conversation. You have to 
be able to have these conversations with business leaders to earn your seat at the table. But if you don't have a seat at the table, how do you have these conversations with your business leaders? Yeah, and, and even if you don't have a seat at the table, you always have influence at the table. Yes. Um, what most people don't realize is that these managers who go in to make these decisions mm-hmm. are generally not the experts in the projects that are being at, at the table. You're the one that can actually influence that person to tell them how important that project is or not. Or So you've got the influence. And once you've got the influence, you've, you've, pretty, you've basically got the seat at the table, the virtual seat at the table, if you like. Yes. And those people, those, those managers that are at the table or, or that portfolio board, if you like, that make that decision, they're hungry for this information from, all, from the PMO, from those people. So don't underestimate your own power as, a, as part of the PMO. Uh, I, I just so agree with that. And I think that's really an important point here is that we do, when we hold the data, when we have the information, our business leaders are begging for this. Our business leaders wish that all PMOs were doing this. And I can promise you, your business leaders want this. It's about asking the questions in the right way. And it's about understanding how to spark that conversation. So Philip, as we kind of wrap up here today, can you kind of help leave this audience, our impact drivers, with some words of wisdom as to how to start that conversation? Because we know, you and I know, we can pretty much guarantee no matter what organization you're in, no matter what sector, if public, private, nonprofit, it doesn't matter, anywhere in the world, the business leaders are looking for the information to make the decisions so that they can achieve the strategic goals, period, right? So how can a PMO leader start the conversation with their business about this greater alignment that they'd like to create and how they can serve the organization, not in a selling way. I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they pitch, you know, where they sell the PMO and that's not what it's about. It's about selling the solution to the business problem, right? So can you talk about a little bit about where they could get started in those conversations? Maybe go right back to the start. Um, People love a good story always listen to a story. People very rarely listen to facts or boring figures or whatever. Yeah. But if you consider that last year, probably somewhere in the region of 10 to 20% of your overall project budget was wasted because you've got the wrong projects in your portfolio, people sit up and think about that because now they can do a very simple math and say, well, okay, we spent 10 million last year. So that means that we roughly wasted 2 million or 1.5 million, somewhere in that ballpark. Okay, how do we do that again? And just suddenly you've got an interest, right? So you've got to pick the interest. But if you do that, then you've got to get the data behind that to show that. So mm-hmm. typically for your put together that project inventory for whatever projects you're involved in. So mm-hmm. that project inventory will look at costs, it will look at benefits, it will look at compliance, it will look at net present value maybe, it will look, it just depends on your sector that you're in. There's risk level, there's, look, there's so many different headings that you can, you, you've got to put in there depending on what your vertical is. But have a think about those, come with that sheet, and suddenly guess who's driving the agenda because you're the one that got the data. You're the one that's bringing the data to the table and you're the one that actually influences decisions because now you've put that data there. So maybe we can put something in the downloads later on that, that actually give people some samples of, of what that might look like uh, for their business or for their sector, or at least give them the option of coming and asking us for some of that data that we can, that we can give them a, a handout Excel sheet that shows them an idea of what we're thinking to provoke ideas. They can tweak it then for themselves. Yeah, I think that would be perfect. So yeah, so we'll have, we'll provide any resources as part of the PMO Impact Summit, downloadable resources, action-taking resources to help kind of guide that 
conversation, guide the journey, help you understand what those step-by-step processes are. So Philip, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for helping our impact driver community understand that their role is to align the portfolio of initiatives with the strategy of the organization and ensure that the highest possible return on investment will be achieved because it's alignment with what what the strategy is for the company or organization that you work in. And that that is the power that the PMO can provide, or as we like to say here, the strategy realization office. So Philip, thank you so much for being here today. Laura, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Now, don't forget this episode was sponsored by Cora Systems. Cora's platform, Cora PPM, delivers global consistency, powerful insights, total control, and enterprise-wide visibility. Learn more at pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. That's pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. So that's it for this session, Impact Drivers. I hope you've had some good takeaways here from this session. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with you in the mobile app and the community about what you've learned here and how you are going to go implement these concepts of a strategy realization office in your organization. Thank you so much for being here. That's it for today's session. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.